Chapter 7 of The Pony Rider Boys in Texas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Tomko. The Pony Rider Boys in Texas by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter 7 The Herd Fords the River. "'Is he... is he?' asked Ned, weakly, after they had taken the jug of water from his hand. "'He's alive, if that's what you mean,' answered Stallings. "'I'm afraid he's got a slight concussion of the brain. "'He doesn't come around the way I should like to see him.' "'Sure it isn't a fracture?' asked the professor, who had just arrived on the scene. "'No, I hardly think so.' The foreman washed the unconscious boy's face, soaking Tad's head and neck and searching for the seat of the trouble. "'Huh! Steer-kicked him!' grunted Stallings. It was a glancing blow, luckily for the kid. They worked over the lad for fully half an hour before he began to show signs of returning consciousness. At last his trembling eyelids struggled apart, and he smiled up at them weakly. "'Ah! He's all right now, I guess.' laughed the foreman, with a world of relief in his tone. "'Boys, get busy now and cut out the rest of those cows. If the young man is not able to ride, we'll put him in the chuck wagon when it comes up.' "'Feel bad anywhere now?' he asked. "'My—my my head weighs a ton.' "'I should think it would. Did the white steer kick you?' "'I—I I don't know. Hello, Professor. I roped him all right, didn't I, Mr. Stallings?' "'You did.' "'But you got roped yourself, too, I reckon. "'Think you'll be able to ride in the trail wagon? "'If not, we'll have to send you back to town.' "'That'll be the best place for the tenderfoot,' growled Lumpy Bates. "'Stallings turned a stern eye upon him. "'Lumpy, when I want your opinion, I'll let you know. "'What are you doing here, anyway? "'Get into that cutout and be mighty quick about it.' "'Lumpy rode away, growling.' "'I'll ride in no trail wagon,' announced Tad Butler, with emphasis. "'I guess you will have to, my boy.' "'I'll ride my pony if I have to be tied on,' he declared resolutely. The foreman laughed heartily. "'Well, we'll see about that. You boys all have good stuff in you. I see that Master Walter and the gopher are still out there looking after that bunch of cattle.' "'I told them to do so,' spoke up Tad. "'And they are obeying orders.' That's the first thing to learn in this business. May I sit up now? You may try. Tad's head spun round when he raised himself up. The lad fought his dizziness pluckily and mastered it. After a little while, they helped him to his feet. Finally, feeling himself able to walk, he started unsteadily away from them. Where are you going? demanded the professor. Pony, answered Tad. I protest, Tad. You will come back here at once. Tad turned obediently. Please, Professor, I'm all right. Let the boy go. He will be all right in a few moments after he has gotten into the saddle, urged the foreman. Besides, he's too much of a man to be treated like a weakling. He'll get more bumps than that before he leaves this outfit, if I'm any judge. The professor motioned to Tad to go on, which the lad did, petting his pony as he reached him, and then pulling himself into the saddle with considerable effort. 
"'I'm ready for business now,' he smiled, waving a hand to the foreman. "'Better look on and let the rest do the work,' advised Stallings, mounting his own tough pony and riding into the thick of the cutting-out process. But Tad Butler could no more sit idly by while the exciting work was going on than could the foreman himself. The first steer that was cut out from the main herd, after Stallings went back, found Tad Butler alongside of it, crowding it toward his own herd farther out, and this work he kept up until all the strangers had been separated from the Diamond D stock. "'There! I'm glad that job is done!' exclaimed Stallings, whipping off his hat and drawing a sleeve across his perspiring brow. "'Too bad I had to go and upset things so,' said Tad. "'Never mind!' It's all in the day's work. On a cattle drive, if it isn't one thing, it's sure to be another. We have been lucky enough not to have a stampede thus far. That isn't saying we won't, however. If you feel like working, you can ride up and join the point men. We'll make five or six miles before it is time to bed down the herd. To Dad's companions was left the task of driving the strange cattle a couple of miles to the west and leaving them there. The boys could not well lose the main herd, for no sooner had they started on the trail than a great cloud of dust slowly floated up into the air. Tad, in his position near the head of the line, and well out to one side of it, was free from this annoyance. The longer the lad was in the saddle, the stronger he seemed to feel, and the only trace that was now left of his recent experience among the hoofs of the Mexican steers was a bump on one side of his head almost as large as a hen's egg. It was near sundown when the foreman, who had ridden on ahead some time before, came back with the information that a broad stream that was not down on his map lay just ahead of them. There's not more than thirty feet of swimming water there, and I believe I'll make a crossing before we go into camp, he announced briefly. How deep is the water? asked Bigfoot Sanders. In the middle, deep enough to drown, but on the edges it's fordable. The cows will be glad of a drink and a swim after the heat of today. With this in mind, the cowmen were instructed to urge the cattle along at a little stronger pace, that they might well get well over before the night came on. The animals seemed to feel the presence of water ahead of them, for they ceased their grazing by the wayside and swung into a rapid pace, such a pace as always gladdens the heart of the cowboy. The steers held it until the rays of the setting sun were reflected on the surface of the broad, sluggish stream. The pony riders dashed forward, intent upon reaching the stream first. Tad followed them upon receiving permission from the foreman to do so. The banks on each side were high and steep, making it far from an ideal fording place. Stallings, however, thought it better to cross there than to take the time to work the herd further down. Joining the boys, he cast his glance up and down the stream to decide whether his judgment had been correct. "'I thought we were going to cross the river,' said Stacy Brown. "'That's exactly what we are going to do,' replied the foreman. "'But where's the bridge? I don't see any,' objected the lad. "'Right there in front of you.' "'Where?' "'Chunky, there is no bridge,' Tad informed him. "'We have to wade just as the cattle will.' "'And swim, too, part of the way,' added Stallings. "'But we'll get wet,' wailed Chunky. "'No doubt about that,' roared the foreman. "'Swim the river with our horses?' exclaimed Ned. "'Hurrah! That will be great!' "'I shall be glad to get some of this dust washed off me,' laughed Tad. 
Besides, the bump on my head will feel better for it, I think. Spread out, boys. The cattle are coming up on the run. They will push you into the river before you are ready if you happen to be in their way, warned Stallings. The riders clucked to their ponies and all galloped upstream some distance that they might be well out of the way of the oncoming herd. The thirsty animals plunged into the water with a mighty splash. Some forded until their feet could no longer touch the ground, after which they swam to the other side, while others paused to drink until those behind them forced them out into the stream also. In a few moments the stream was alive with swimming cattle, the herd being spread out for a full quarter of a mile up and down the stream. To the rear, yelling cowboys were urging on the stragglers and forcing the herd into the cool waters. It was an inspiring sight for the boys. Here and there, a cowman would ride his pony into the water and turn the leaders, who were straying too far up or down the river. After half an hour of watering, the men began to force the cattle to the opposite bank. There was a great scramble when the steer started to climb the steep bluff. The first ones to try it went halfway up on a run. Losing their footing, they came tumbling to the foot of the bluff, knocking a number of the other cattle back into the water. There was much bellowing and floundering about, but the relentless forcing from the other side swept the unfortunate ones to the crest of the tide and up the steep bank. Now that the loose dirt had slipped down, the footing grew more secure, and the animals soon fell into trails of their own making, up which they crept three and four abreast. Once on the other side, they started to graze as contentedly as if they had not just passed through a most trying experience. Two of the cowmen, who had forded the stream further down, now appeared opposite the main fording place to take charge of the cattle. "'Get across, boys!' shouted the foreman. With an answering shout, Tad and Ned slid their ponies down the sharp bluff, plunging into the water and heading straight across. "'Slip out of your saddles and hang on!' called the foreman. Without an instant's hesitation, the two boys slid into the water with a splash, but keeping tight hold on the pommels of their saddles. "'Let go the reins,' directed Stallings. "'The ponies know where to go.' Now the lads were being drawn rapidly through the water, and almost before they knew it, their feet rested on the bottom of the shallow stream a short distance from the opposite bank. "'Hooray!' shouted Tad, waving his water-soaked sombrero. "'Come in! The water's great!' "'Come on, Chunky!' called Ned. "'I'll wait and go over in the wagon,' decided Chunky. "'You'll do nothing of the sort,' snapped the foreman. "'You will swim, if you get over at all.' Professor Zeppelin, not to be outdone by his young charges, bravely rode his animal into the stream. The boys set up a shout of glee when he, too, finally dropped into the river with a great splash. Instead, however, of allowing the pony to tow him, the professor propelled himself along with long, powerful strokes of his left hand, while with the right he clung to the saddle pommel. Three cheers for Professor Zeppelin!' cried Tad, as the German, dripping but smiling, emerged from the water and scrambled up the bank, leaving his pony to follow along after him. The cheers were given with a will. Stacy Brown, however, was still on the other side with the straggling cattle, which were coming along in small bunches. "'Young man, if you expect to get in for supper, you'd better be fording the stream,' suggested Bigfoot Sanders. The mention of supper was all that Stacy needed to start him. "'Get up!' The pony slid down the bank on its haunches. 
Stacy leaning far back in the saddle that he might not pitch over the animal's head. Chunky would make a good side hill rider, wouldn't he? jeered Ned. Depends upon whether he were going up or down, decided Tad. Look out! There he goes! exclaimed Walter. The boy's mount had mired one foot in a quicksand pocket and had gone down on its knees, but Chunky kept right on going. He hit the water flat on his stomach, arms and legs outspread, clawing and kicking desperately. The fat boy opened his mouth to cry out for help. As a result, Stacy swallowed all the water that came his way. Floundering about like a drowning steer, choking and coughing, he disappeared from sight. End of chapter 7 Recording by William Tomko